This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 371, brought to you by Mandroid, Chris Hardwick's new comedy special, available on CD and DVD from Comedy Central, and iFanboy listeners just like you. But it takes more than one person, so everyone jump on, I'll miss you when you're just like them. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 371. I am the woody boy to Ron Richards, Ernie Pantuso, Paul Montgomery. Um, wow, a coach joke. I, that's perfect. The, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the John Lovitz to his Phil Hartman. Um, there are also other, th- those aren't good examples. There, there are also other They're people on the dead. show. <laughs> uh, oh my God, like, Ron's dead. <laughs> there's, there's Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Paul. And Josh Murray Weather Flanagan. Hello, I don't get it. What's that mean? It's just a middle name. Oh, how did you know? At ifanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics. And every week, we read a bunch of comics. And then one of us picks the best book and writes about it on the website. And then we talk about it here on the show. 
along with other things. And uh, before we get to it, a quick reminder warning, this is a review show and we will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books. So if you're worried about spoilers, remember that there are worse things that could happen, like finding snakes in your glove compartment. Um, That is pretty bad. So uh, this week, Josh had the pick. I did. Do you guys mind if I do this whole review in the voice of Boss Nass? Yes, uh, actually. Okay. So I will not call him the Punisher. No. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that out. Um, pick of the week this week was uh, Punisher War Zone, which I desperately want to call and type Punisher War Journal. I can't, I can't even help it. That's a decades-long muscle memory. Um, and uh, this is the four-issue, five-issue miniseries. This is the fourth issue. Uh, that is actually just a continuation of the uh, Punisher uh, series that, that Greg Rucka had been doing um, for some reason. Uh, I don't, I, does, that, does anyone know why they broke it off into a different series? It seems it seemed odd. I think it's, you know, it's a number of reasons. One, it, it allows him to start again at a new number one. Yeah. And two, it's, it's a story focused solely on him fighting the Avengers. So people are more likely to pick this up. Yeah, I guess. If it's and a also, miniseries of, if, they, if they can bill it as a miniseries of Punisher versus the Avengers, people will pick it, that up. I know. I'm shocked that there's no Avengers in this title because it would seem to fit perfectly, uh, which was Seriously, one of the sort yeah. of things I wrote. But And also, I think this hit at the same time that Marvel Now did, so... The idea yeah. was it's all new, but then it really wasn't new. That was the thing. Um, I I had uh, basically my my point of view on this is that I really like Greg Rucka a lot. He's he's one of, if not my favorite writer in comics. Um, doesn't mean I've loved everything he's ever done. Um, so uh, he started this Punisher book, and I don't really like the Punisher that much. I don't I don't have anything against the Punisher. It's just never been a thing that I've been I've been all that into. Um, and I actually dropped off the last series, but I I came back on. Uh, after a bit, and uh, it was well, it was the cool thing about that was that it was still like I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem like it was good I was able to get it because Punisher relatively straightforward but also I I think uh, Greg Rucker writes in such a way that um there, there's not it's not overly uh, complicated plotting going on I guess in the background you can kind of tell what's going on with these character arcs well it was basically one story it wasn't yeah. like you you came out as a new arc and you're confused you know the story from the beginning was a story he's still telling it in this book basically and that's a big story. Yeah, uh, and and I really like that. Um, and so uh, when we moved over to this new mini series, we got uh, a new artist, and I'm t- I have to go back to the beginning and look at the name because it's a hell of a name, and the application crashed. Carmine uh, Dici and Dominici. Oh, that's a. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, as a replacing Marco Cicchetto, Marco Cicchetto, who I thought made an extensive, uh, really got a lot better over the course of that of that last series. Um. And basically what this is, is the Avengers versus Punisher. And every issue's had kind of a different feel to it. Uh, the last issue was I don't, I don't, was uh, basically Thor and Punisher sit down and have a beer. Mm-hmm. And Thor's like, let me level on you, level level with you on uh, as a warrior. And, and so they sit down and they, and they chat. And basically he's trying to be like, you know, chill out, Frank. It's going to be fine. But uh, the Punisher is an ex- inexorable force. So the fourth issue here finds us that Punisher's got to break his friend out of jail who he's responsible for be- for having uh, put there. Uh, and the Avengers have to stop him. The Avengers, the fun part of this for me is that the Avengers are all um, at odds with each other, basically. Uh, you know, Wolverine is like, Frank's doing a good thing. And then, so the Cap is angry with him. And then Spider-Man thinks he's a complete, you know, horrible villain because he's been screwing around and, and killing people in New York City uh, where he's trying to help people for years. Uh, you know, Cap says, well, he's a Marine. He's a soldier. And, and it, like, everybody has a different take on him. And it's very specific. I really like that. Like, like Rucka went in and he, he knew sort of what every character thought about Punisher. And that is a really interesting sort of sort of thing that happens. Um, yeah. And then the, at the same time, I think he has a very clear view on what the Punisher is, and that makes this work very well for me uh, because, you know, the, there's all sorts of ways that you can look at the Punisher. You can look at him as, you know, some people say, oh, he's just Batman with guns. You know, uh, you know, Rucka looks at him as, you know, he's a he's a he's an unstoppable mass murderer, basically. I mean, he's he's with special forces training yeah exactly uh, and you know and a little something extra on top whatever that you know batman factor is i guess to his sort of no one can take him down because he's so determined um you know and, and really what is the difference between him and a a murderer you know like a psychopathic murderer is it just that he only kills bad guys you know it, it's still illegal what he does and it still can be considered um very bad uh to sort of kill people on on the rate that he does and and this is this is really the issue that it it all comes together, you know, and when and it actually is, is 
uh, leading it's it culminates in the the sort of big fight that's about to happen. Um, but I really like the I like the character stuff as I was talking about with this a lot. But I also like the tactical sense of seeing what uh, Frank does to get around. Uh, you know the, the Avengers and how he defeats the you know the most powerful super team on Earth. And at the beginning, the question was with the Avengers, like, why are we bothering with this guy? It's just a, just a guy. Uh, and and you know he's 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 good enough to take them on uh, to a certain extent. And and I really like there's a bit where they ask uh, Natasha, you know, who's all who's Black Ops, that Black Widow. They ask her, you know, like, well, well, how how would you do it? And and she sort of says what what would happen as he does it, you know, in the background. Yeah. Yes. We see that yeah. going on. That's that's a really nice device and just just really well thought out and planned it feels you know feel this felt like reading uh one of rucka's novels uh in a way where we're sort of when you you set that little ball going down the mousetrap you know and, and you're gonna see all the little devices click off and 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 everything goes into motion here and of course the this is your spoiler for it the big uh turning point and connor you put this in the best of the best of the weekend panels and i was glad to see it is that um this is really wonderful panel where, where stark is in his stark tower and he's he's tippy tapping away on his computers and and it's the most subtle thing on earth is that he's he's talking to himself and looking at the monitors and just in the background you just see the little figure of the Punisher and you see yeah. his silhouette and, and the skull and you almost don't register it. Uh, Connor, you, you said you didn't even see it the first time. Well, I I I looked at it and it didn't really click with me. But then the next, you know, I I went back and looked at it after the the reveal and I thought, oh, is that Punisher on the monitor? Because they are yeah. monitoring the Punisher. I That's what I, I, I looked up at the other monitors. Like, is he in any of them? I was like, oh, I no. did that too. I looked at the other panels going, is he in there? And then he's not in there. Oh, that's him. Oh, he's, Tony's in trouble. Like, yeah, that was a great little reveal using the art. Um, who, Dion Demonici, uh, Gian uh, <laughs> It's a very unusual style. It's not a style you'll find in a lot of uh, Marvel books. It's a very European yes. style. Was, yes. Yes. Uh, he's probably Italian. And uh, I like it a lot. Domenic, Gian, Gian Domenico. He does a lot of good, great action, but also little, little subtle things like that panel we just talked about that do, do a really good job. Now, Paul, I talked about this series a lot, and we've talked about this, this particular miniseries a lot, but you didn't really read it till recently. What, what have you been, what did you think of it? Yeah, I just, when this became the pick, I, I went back and, and looked at um, this particular miniseries, and I, I love this art a lot. Um, I love the structure of the issues that, you know, the first one is kind of, it's, it's the, the Spider-Man encounter with the Punisher, and then Wolverine going to, to talk to him like, like man to man. Um, let's see if we can talk him down first before we, you know, send, you know, send in guns ablaze and, um, but then the second issue might be my favorite. That's uh, the Black Widow issue. Yeah. And um, those two together are, are fantastic and they have similar training, similar minds. So um, although coming from a different particular background in, you know, spycraft and, and things like that. Um, but uh, gr- just great, uh, great cartooning in, in the in the action sequences. I remember like a really great like somersaulting thing that the Black Widow did and everything reads very clearly. Um, there are some great action packed books that came out even this week, but you don't like not, I couldn't say that every panel was completely clear as to what was going on. This one, since I read it on Comixology, I was reading it like panel by panel view and it just it was almost like animation. It was perfect in those sequences. It, so that's really strong. It really like all the way through this this series, I've just noticed like it's just such a clear, strong example of comic book storytelling. Yep. Like in the larger yeah. sense, and it really like there's a lot of elements, and and it's it's just so succinctly and well done that like you don't have to work at it or think about it. It just it just is working, and I just felt that as I was reading through. I was like, what a just what right. a, what a well done comic book. And the thing is, even though we talked about in the beginning about how it is basically the, the next four issues of the last series, it is written in such a way that if you just want to see the Punisher face off against the Avengers, you can totally get this, this, these yes. three issues. All you need to know yeah. is that the Punisher's partner was convicted for crimes and is now going to death row and he's breaking her out. And, that's, and the Avengers are trying to stop him. That's all you really need to know backstory-wise. I mean, obviously, you can go back and read it all and get a fuller picture of the relationships and why he feels so guilty and, and all that. But it is a, yeah, it is, it is a every- fun story. You get all the context, and I, th- I think going back to just the, the um, you know, the, uh, the the great storytelling part of it is just that I think the choice to make the Avengers as a unit, like as as small and intimate as it is, mm-hmm. it's not he's he's not biting off more than he can chew in this miniseries. Yeah, you know, like if, if this is so refreshing to read after uh, Hickman's Avengers right. uh, the same week. <laughs> that's so heady, and it's it's a it's a little it's it's very ambitious, and that's. That's admirable, but this is like he's he's picked the perfect core group of Avengers. Um, they all have a different point of view. 
Um, I, I could, I could, I mean, read you know the last month's issue, the the Thor and and Punisher scene with, you know, the six pack on the hill. Like, can you imagine? Like, you you wouldn't think on paper like Thor and Punisher together. That's a really great scene. It seems like you'd really have to shoehorn it in there. Like those those characters are from two completely different worlds, but it's such a great scene, and and the characters together relate about war and and um, living in uh, peacetime, or at least you know um, comparative to to war. Um, and then this issue again, like you, like you said, I, I I love the storytelling in this. I love Natasha guessing what he would do, predicting what he would do, and then not retelling that showing it within her explaining it you know show, showing that he's actually doing just what she's predicting um that's a great economy to that what is with black widow and not being able to use a chair properly because she's <laughs> well, perched you could, up in that thing too and i don't know if you could bend and you could do all the stuff she does you probably wouldn't sit normally either well from i certainly regular... wouldn't walk normally i would never leave the house normally i just jump off my balcony every day from a from a from a sort of posture position, maybe she's realized like, no, you're not supposed to sit in chairs, so I crouch in them. Also, you can escape them more easily. She does know that it's really bad for you. Yeah. In that sense, she probably has no back problems. None. No. I have back problems. In case anyone didn't know, I have. This is always on my mind. <laughs> now, uh, I used to talk a lot about Peter J. Tomas. You sit in a chair for ten hours a day doing a website for ten years and Buddy. not have back problems. Um, I used to talk about Peter J. J. Tomasi a lot. Uh, previous to the New 52 when it, with his Batman work or even even also with his Justice League work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he used to excel at telling really heartwarming superhero stories yes. that, that would sort of tug at my heartstrings. But I haven't really connected at all with the Batman and Robin series since the reboot. I, haven't, I, I still read it, but I don't really get excited about it. But this Batman and Robin annual number one wasn't even going to get it originally because of my lack of excitement for the series. But then uh, I decided, oh, what the hell? It was sort of a light week and I picked it up. And this turned out to be one of my favorite issues of a comic in a while i heard that from others like it surprised people it it was a total side story it wasn't connected to anything going on you couldn't tell where it would be in the in the timeline or continuity that doesn't really matter it's how the annuals used to be just tell a story with the characters and it's a great heartwarming tale of damien trying to connect with his dad by sending him on a scavenger hunt around the world taking him to places that were important to his family like the place where his uh, mother painted a picture that's still hanging on the wall of a, of a hotel or a place where his, her, she and her father took a photo on their honeymoon. He has them stand where they stood and hold the photo up and see the, you know, see them sort of come to life in the background. And it was, and it was, and then meanwhile, while that's happening, he, he takes over Gotham as Batman Jr. He puts on a little Batman suit and runs around and tries to do the voice. And he does the voice. And it's great. this was great. This, this was, was wonderful. Um, this was Home Alone with Damien. Yeah. Um, He's, he's, and he's tricking his, his, his dad by doing these like green screen photos like and sending him, him emails with photos and, he, and he's doing backdrops like it's supposed to be Damien is supposed to be one step ahead of, of Bruce in Europe going to all these places and, and setting up the scavenger hunt. But he's really back in Gotham, you know, doing the like standing up in, in, inside of, uh, like a trench coat, you know, with a fedora on like that kind of thing, like pretending to be an adult. And I remember when um tomasi first took over this book and was that pre-50 new 52 uh not that was or was it new 52 okay well it was when he first started writing damien and i remember that first issue being like this is not damien like he does not have the voice down and now this is this is the damien that i love because there's a there's a few different interpretations of damien and you'll see that in um uh batman incorporated um but this is the damien i really like i kind of miss from the old uh batgirl yeah. Uh, series, uh, the Brian Q. Miller one, um, where it's just it's played for comedy, and I think Damien's great when played for comedy because he is a ten-year-old kid with assassin training. Right, and also it's the it's in the entire thing. I like that when they allow Bruce to sort of step back and be part of the family. You know, the, the, even the the end played for comedy when Alfred returns to his old stomping grounds oh, and so he goes good. he goes to act. Bruce lets him go do a play with his old friends and it turns to a disaster and Bruce and uh, Damien is going to laugh about it. I like that every once in a while you get to sort of step back and realize these are people and and it was very much of a throwback to the old sort of Bronze Age style of stories. Um, how how often is is Alfred just like you know 
oh, just one dimensional, just li- literally like yeah. he's just a guy standing there with, you know, the platter upraised or whatever, or he's doing the stitches on Bruce and, and now you get to see, you get to see him angry and like he's, he's, he's frustrated with uh, his fellow actors in the, uh, in the, in the Shakespearean play that he's in. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's great to see him well-rounded because so often he's not. Yeah, this was a, just a great character story. I mean, it was it was fun. It was a lot of action, but I just I enjoyed Bruce on his little trip around the world and tried to get a little bit emotional, and it was great. It was really just I, I didn't expect this at all. I mean, it might have been my pick of the week. I didn't actually select one, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. But it's it's um it's it's also a great counterpoint to uh, what Snyder's doing on Batman because it's so dark. Yeah, um, to have this as something that's more refreshing and fun. Now, now, did you guys? Uh, I mean, how did you feel about Damien in in Batman Incorporated? Then in the same week, because this was pretty much a Damien centric story there too. What's well, funny is it's a different kind of Damien, which is okay. Yeah. It's it's in the same way that uh, the Batman in this book is different than the Batman in other books. I mean, they're just sort of different interpretations. It's certainly, definitely more of a severe Morrison-esque interpretation. I also enjoyed the interplay between Damien and Alfred in this one too, though. Yes. See, this is the da- this is the Damien that I think of because obviously most of the Damien that I've read is by Morrison and I think he's been fairly consistent in his presentation mm-hmm. of the character. Like he, yes. he knows who it is better than anybody else. Um, and I like that this version of Damien, the thing I enjoyed about this issue is that you can play him as a joke for a little while, but he's also very capable and it's one of those things like under the bluster and under the attitude, and whatever, like he's, he's not a shithead, you know, like right. he, he comes off as one, but like the deal is, you know, he's 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 Bruce Wayne's son, I guess, you know, more than anything. And 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 furthermore, like, you know, and also, you know, he's he's Rajal Ghul's grandson. And those are the the good aspects of that character, are the ones that that are going to come through, um, uh, you know, he's going to be a little snotty on top of it. But um, it, at the same time, like I, I was I asked, I remember asking Paul as I right after finish, I was like, how, how many issues are this? Are there left? Like, There's the I just story. This Leviathan story has been going on for feels like a very long time it has been yeah time. i think i think it's it's lost a bit of its momentum or at least maybe me reading it i've lost a bit of the momentum uh, of it um i know there's uh, i know a lot of the people on the site really really dig this i think it's i don't know i, th- I think it's it's a little too uh too global for me for what i like out of a batman story um i like him in gotham i i i appreciate the the swashbuckling batman but um i think it's just it's it's gotten i don't know too big for his bat britches it was always too big, I think, I, and and it, at a certain point, I just became okay with losing track of it. Like, I don't know what most of these characters are about anymore, and I kind of just go with it, and I get who the main people are involved, who I'm supposed to care about. And uh, it's it's time to end it. I mean, not the you know, I don't want to see Morrison leave the run, which he's doing, but the Leviathan story in particular has gone on further than these seven issues have have been. Oh yeah. You know, so at this point, you're like, okay, well, somebody win. I don't even care if it's Tali anymore. <laughs> but so, it's time for someone to end the fight. So it's. Can so we talk about the big spoiler of this issue? That we, we lost a, a, a fan favorite member of the Bat family uh, in the night of, of Night and Squire. True. Yeah, that's um, pretty brutally, too. Yeah. Um, I like Night and Squire a lot. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if there's a lot of, um, a lot of room for more of them. In the new Fifty Two, oh, they, uh, they will never be seen again. Once no. this story, they'll never, yeah, they'll never ever be seen again. But uh, the, I don't know. <laughs> they had their day in the sun. But I, I feel, I do feel, I, I felt kind of sad about Squire. The injustices against Paul Cornell continue. <laughs> yeah, really. He didn't, he didn't create them. No, he I was giving to tell the story. He championed them, though. He did a good, good little. Was it, I guess it ended up being a miniseries, basically. It was good. We enjoyed it. Now I picked up Josh recently the Activity Volume One trade, which I'm looking forward to reading. Okay, you haven't read it yet. No, I haven't. I'm not worried about spoilers. Though. Well, there's. I was gonna say the good news is there really aren't any. It's very. This awesome. has killer butterflies, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I did no. best of the. I did best of the weekend covers, and it looked like there was there were butterflies that were taking down a dude with an assault rifle. It the, thematically, that is what what was happening. Um, okay. The, it's a metaphor. This book is um. It's very cold military military operational stories. They've done some character work on some of them, but I honestly couldn't tell you the industry most of them. I know the one guy who's like the leader. He's the black guy, and then there are a couple of girls. Um, <laughs> because it, mostly uh, it, it's focused on this, you know, this A-team-like group of, of soldiers who, who, who get shit done. What was really cool about this issue was that um, you had uh, a threat that comes in against uh, the city of Minneapolis, and they have six hours to solve it. And so the issue is rapid fire 
uh, going through the the steps used to solve that that problem to locate the the weapon of mass destruction, neutralize it, and find the people responsible. And that's sort of what happens. It's, I mean, rapid fire seems like a really cliche way to go, but that's literally how it proceeds. Like through the panels, uh, you're you're just sort of jumping times, and you and there's like a little countdown clock. It tells you what time you know. T minus three hours to go. T minus one hour, one hour, forty two minutes, and and you watch how this is solved. the The cool thing about the cover is a, it's it's a really nice looking cover, but b, those butterflies are actually a real story point in that um, the butterflies are are had been I trained isn't the right word, but um, I guess it is to uh, hone in on uh, bomb material, so like they can smell the very 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 minute traces of you know, whatever elements make up, make up the explosive and they sort of let them loose and then they follow them from above these, you know, bright pink heli- uh, butterflies across the city and they hone in on all these guys who are positioned around a, a stadium and that's how they know who the killers are and, and then, you know, they give the go and they, they sniperize them. <laughs> and it's, wow, that's, it's like a, that's like a popular mechanics, like wired article. It really, and that's what, like it, I don't know if that's a real thing, but I was like, I could buy that. That seems to work. A lot that of it is, like, right? A lot of I, it is I, like yeah. near future tech. Yeah, it feels like it. It feels like prototypes. a lot of a lot of DARPA uh, research, sort of just checking in what they're what they're working on now and, and incorporating that. At the same time, there's a backstory about a, a, a leak uh, in the Senate and a, a bunch of people get arrested. So this will be another sort of window into getting to know some of those characters. Um, but it, it, you know, in terms of just a tactical sort of operational adventure story that and they're usually only one issue each. Uh, they're always, they're always pretty sharp and, and pretty on. And, and I think that both of the, I feel like this is a tough book to make and I think they're, they're really good at it and they do a better job every time. Uh, but this was a, this was a standout issue. It's good, good series. I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong and I was wrong when I was first skeptical of the idea of Hawkeye number seven, which was the tribute to, uh, I guess not tribute, but the story about Superstorm Sandy, the issue they were going to do- donate money. Donating money is great, but I just didn't know. The, the idea of mixing in real-world stories with superheroes is always a dicey one. Um, so when I first announced it, I, I kind of rolled my eyes, but I was wrong. Hawks Hawkeye number seven I thought was really fantastic. Let's Again. Give it up for Steve Lieber. Uh, Steve Lieber was great filling God, in. beautiful. Um, and I think this was the maybe the only book where you could have told this story because this is a book where the people are very real, uh, character-wise, and it's a very it's a, it's not a very it's not a book that you know lives in the upper stratosphere of superheroing. It's very much on the ground, and and it's, in that sense, I thought it was a very moving tale. Uh, I, I even got caught up in it when the storm hits. I, you know, having living in being from New York and my family being there, and you know, being in the storm, I got very sort of emotional about it, and. I thought this was just another wonderful issue from Fraction and, and his team of artists. Yeah, it's um, it. I love that it's it's not sanctimonious. It's not you know. It's like it's not. Um, it's, it's not preachy it, about anything. The, just, yeah, it's 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 not it's not preachy at all. It, it's 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 not you know Superman looking up at the picture of the the firefighters and which is it's it's a nice image, but like it it can get a little bit too sappy, a little too sentimental. I don't know, but this is you talk about you know we talk about street level books um cosmic or street level this is like you know it's it's sub street level it's it's a it's about the people and and i love that 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 opening story um and it's just about like your your neighbors you know and uh, hawkeye's trying to survive like anybody else it's not like he can fly away from the storm he gets yeah, caught up in it too really, so much of this book is jordan is carving it, floated away i didn't oh. enjoy it at all i was like no no i no. know but just that like it just like oh come on another thing <laughs> I'm good at boats. Um, I love that this book is kind of it's it's about language. It's about um, how people communicate it and like how the, like you know the whole Hawkeye thing is like it's a it's a misunderstanding or a miscommunication. And uh, this book is like you know it's it's great because it it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a Marvel superhero book. It it feels more like a I don't know like a, an American Splendor sometimes or like um, like a Jacques Tardy uh, comic, especially that second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, um, I mentioned, you know, Steve Lieber did sort of the first half of the story, and then the second half yeah. is by Jesse Hamm. I believe that they are both part of Periscope Studios in Portland. I believe. So. And the, yeah, and that one's about uh, the, the female Hawkeye, about yeah. uh, Kate, Kate Bishop. And um, she goes to Jersey. Kate Hudson. So, right. <laughs> sorry. 
Um, and it's and I like that it's about two of them spending the storm in two different places, and then they meet up at the end. And it's you know a little bit. It's about family. It's a it's about you know friendships and community. And um, it was you know it was it was the perfect kind of kind of book um, for this subject. And uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Really well done. Once, once again, you can just pick it up. Hawkeye is very eminently jumping on jump onable. I'm not talking about his sexiness. Well, let's not. <laughs> Which is also true. He's it's it works in many levels. Is that descriptor? He's you can jump on Hawkeye whenever you want. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> Paul pointed this out to me, and I'm gonna explain a story to Connor. Okay. Uh, and I'm this is if you didn't read uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, this will spoil from me. the creators of Mortal Kombat. This yeah. is this is the tie-in comic to the upcoming fighting game the beat 'em up game this is this is the this is the uh, this is the actual object that says maybe maybe the writing in video games isn't quite up to the level that a lot of you people say it is <laughs> you're the one who plays them i don't even know so i i play a game a year I, maybe <laughs> i i love video games i play more video games than i i, th- I think uh, anybody on the site but um it's this is i don't know <laughs> i don't know that i want okay, to say okay, okay, this okay. is just a story yeah it's a it is superman wakes up he hears a heartbeat Here's two heartbeats coming from Lois, who is pretty sexy at this point. Um, and right oh here. my God, we're having a baby, and and she acts and she doesn't act like this is news to her. By the way, she just starts uh, being sassy with him, um, which I thought was strange. Uh, and then uh, the basically the Joker then kidnaps uh, Lois Lane, driving Superman into a fit of rage. He finds them in a he finds uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn in a submarine that they stole. But what the Joker did was put his fear toxin, uh, put the Scarecrow's fear toxin, Scarecrow's gas, fear toxin, and he mixed it with kryptonite, with kryptonite so that it would work on Superman, who then thinks that Lois Lane is <laughs> is doomsday. Is doomsday flies Lois Lane's pregnant body up into space where she suffocates and dies. <laughs> wow. So we're seeing it as if he's having this big knockdown drag out fight with Doomsday. They they go up into the atmosphere and then Batman figures out they're down on the ground. He figures out what the Joker's done. And you go up in outer space and Superman is throttling his dead wife with his, his dead pregnant wife. Oh, the, wow. the, the other part Josh, is that yeah, Josh the, forgot the a Joker uh, has rigged it so that if if Lois's heart stops, then uh, a nuclear be- a weapon goes off uh, in Metropolis. So we see that the weapon goes off, which of course means that that Lois is dead, and that's the moment that Superman realizes because Batman tells him, "Hey, it's Lois." And I was like, "There's is, one more part you forgot." Did I? What is it? In, in the in the kidnapping of Lois Lane, Lois was with Jimmy Olsen investigating right. this warehouse. I've got Jimmy on my Jimmy's shoe. dead. Yeah, they killed. They Jimmy. shot Jimmy in the head. He didn't get to his watch on time. Superman was distracted somewhere else. He was busy. Jimmy Olsen Lois. is dead. Lois Lane is dead. The baby's dead. Well, now Perry's dead too because Metropolis has been nuked. Yeah. Don't forget about Bibbo. Bibbo is dead. Bibbo's dead. The whole staff of the Daily Guardian is probably Lex dead. Lex Luthor's probably dead. Morgan Edge. No, Luke, Lex Luthor can't be dead because he's in the game. Uh. And he's in his suit, is yeah. his mech suit. Ron so. Troop. Uh, and when I started, this was like, this writing is not that bad for what this is. Almost. It's just the choices. Well, the, the, I mean, it, it, was a, it was thoughtful, at least, you know? Okay. Like, it just, um, and then, it, you know, it went to a place, though. And it's like poking the bear of the comic. Like, let's make as many people angry. <laughs> this is, it's like your, your, your nerd rage baiting thing. You think you, you would have heard about Gosh. Superman killing pregnant Lois somewhere this week? Yeah, I, I, you know, well, it's a game. I heard, so, I, I heard some people talking about it on Twitter actually. Um, uh, there's the and the, the the thought that they could do they could get away with it here because no one cares about this prediction. I know <laughs> it's, it's why, Dan Dio's id come to life. Why I, do they need to? So is the next issue going to be Superman flying himself into the sun? Well, because that's really the only way well, that actually, would go. It starts with a flash forward where Batman is investigating or he's, he's going around the rooftops. Um, Superman has it's it's the fascist Superman where he's kind of taken over the world and he has like sentries marching down the street. And then it's five years earlier or something like that. Um, so this all leads Oof. to Superman becoming a crazy dictator as stories are wont to do. Well, contemplate that. Meanwhile, 
Chris Hardwick. Everybody knows him. He's from the Nerdist podcast. He's from the Talking Dead. He's got the upcoming show Nerdist TV on the BBC America. But he also does stand-up comedy. It's where he began. And his first Comedy Central special, Mandroid, was released on CD and DVD. It was released a couple weeks ago. You can go check it out. It's available on Amazon and iTunes. And the DVD is an extended, uncensored version with 20 minutes of bonus material that wasn't broadcast on TV. And it's got lots of cool Easter eggs on it. Um, like I said, it's on Amazon and iTunes. We had a contest running on iFanboy.com for the iFanbase to enter to win a DVD, to win a print of the cover, which is an awesome sort of throwback 50s style um, Mandroid fighting an alien. Uh, you could, they won that. You win that cover, and you win some goodie bag of DVDs and CDs. And the winner of that, who went to iFanboy and wrote in the comments about who the Mandroid should fight, was Ragu seventy three Ryan Williams. Ryan wrote about uh, Mandroid fighting Doctor Frederick Wortham. So if you want to read uh, Ragu seventy three's little scenario for that, uh, go to go to FM, fmboy.com, search Mandroid, you'll find that. You see all, there's a bunch of really entertaining entries, but we, we like that one the best. So Ragu73, Ryan Williams, you will be hearing from us soon to set up you receiving your prize pack from uh, Comedy Central and Mandroid, Chris Hardwick's Mandroid. So congratulations to Ryan. Smart nice choice, work. well argued. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the 100th issue of Invincible came out. A lot of people thought this was going to be the pick of the week. After I read it, it was not going to be the pick of the week. Interesting. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was just fine. This book has actually had the problem with Invincible at least has been a lot of talking, like a lot of talking about things and and pontificating. And should I be doing this? Do I have the power? Which is kind of interesting, but it, it sort of belies that I think the the main strength that that Ryan Otley has is which is drawing uh, huge things, action things getting punched a lot and spaceships and 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 cities being destroyed. He's, he's very good at that. So while it's nice to give him a break every once in a while. Um, this was a classic superhero. Like this is the thing where somebody's gonna die, and then so the first page is is uh, dinosaurs crushing Mark's head. Uh, but it turns out that he just it's, it's the, the Star Trek two swerve. It's yeah. the we're gonna kill Spock. Ha ha ha! We did it in the first five minutes. He's not really dead. Oh no, he's dead. Uh, no, he wasn't dead. He switched. A, he switched a clone body out that dinosaurs had made uh, in an interdimensional pocket. Uh, and then there was one really interesting thing that happened here is that. Uh, dinosaurs sort of came to his senses, and uh, and Mark had to take care of that problem. And I thought it was handled uh, in a storytelling uh, sense really nice. It was one really good page. Um, it was had a lot of blood in it, um, but it was fine. It was pretty good. It was all right. I, it's it's it, it, I don't want to say that it's getting a little long in the tooth, but the current epoch of this book is like it's gotta it's gotta do what it's gonna do because I feel like it's been building up to this hundredth issue for a while. So now it's got to figure out the next thing it's gonna be. Because uh, I don't think it can keep being the same thing uh, with all the sort of changes that they've made. That's all. That's no. all. I'm done. It was a very shiny book. I saw it on the shelves. One of the versions. Some was. versions. Some was, iterations of this book. Yeah. That was a $10 um, version. I bought the, the yeah. $4 version. It was less shiny. Wise. Wise. Yeah. Uh, Nowhere Men number three. All versions of this are metaphorically shiny because it's a great book. Uh, Eric Stevenson, Nate Belgard, uh, Jordi Belair. Phonographics, uh, beautifully designed book. It's another great science fiction comic from from Image. Um, they seem to have the the, the whole market on uh, on mad science, and that's great. So this is if you love Manhattan Projects, if you love Profit, just weird science stuff. Um, this is a book for you, um, and it's about oh, it's it's hard to describe. It's sort of like the it's um, it's about the Fab Four of science. There's a there's some some elements in the past that are about this Beatles like group of scientists with weird hair, and they all form a group, uh, World Core, and they're gonna you know save the world through science. And some of them have better intentions than others. Um, Fast forward to the modern day, and there is uh, like a uh, there is a remote um, experimentation area, and we find out at the end of the first issue that it's in outer space. It's a satellite, and um, there's a plague running through this satellite with all of these uh, young scientists on there. Um, bad place to get sick, outer space. Um, and how are they going to get out of this? They build a portal. They go through the portal. And each of them, in little small groups of two or three, end up in different places around the world. The satellite explodes, crash lands on the Earth. Um, there's a group that's out in this issue looking for, like, what is that thing that came out of the sky? And they find the pieces of the satellite in the desert. Um, and uh, it's or, or like a space station, excuse me, not really a satellite. And um, 
uh, one of the civilians on Earth who finds the parts of this this space shuttle um, is starting to cough and and sneeze some blood. So it's like he's got the plague. Uh, the people who were up there in outer space, who are now in different parts of the planet, um, are going through weird mutations and they have strange powers. Um, it's a weird, trippy book. It's really fantastic. Um, there's kind of this great European-looking art to it. We've said European a couple times on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how exactly to describe the European look. I think it's just one of those things we, it's a we bit know more like sleek. when we see it. I've, yeah, it's a bit more sleek. I find it a little more expressive. Uh, that yeah. we yes. tend to do here, and it's almost sometimes a little more line based, like the the, the yes. black lines define it. There's uh, really like clean backgrounds, like yeah. like uh, they have a lot of uh, um, just sort of matte backgrounds, not a huge amount of detail there, but great detail in the foreground. So you're thinking like like Frank Quietly kind of stuff, but um, but yeah, so it's it's really beautiful. It's you you know European art when you see it, and um, uh, like pornography, um, and uh. You derive great pleasure from it in cases, some cases. So Wait, that's nowhere, man. Pornography again? I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Who's um, who's reading Dark Avengers? I am. Okay. I am. I remembered to to get Dark Avengers. That took me a while to build that habit back up because I was still scarred from the Osborne years. And it turns out that, that Jeff Parker is still writing this book. And the thing that's great about Dark Avengers is this is the book that nobody cares about or is paying attention to. So there is a certain form of unfiltered Jeff Parker going, well, you know what would be fun? Because it takes place in a Marvel universe of a different uh, dimension. And mm-hmm. you've got sort of these characters that nobody really cares about and then versions of the characters that, that aren't real. So he can kind of do whatever he wants. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit silly, uh, but it's also like it's on a really huge scale. Um, in this one, uh, this is one of the Earths where... Uh, all the superhero families have sort of uh, gone against each other. So in this one, uh, Ben Grimm is actually uh, in charge of the monsters, like all of the you know the monsters that the mole man used to have, and all of them. And 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 he's part of the Yancey Street contingent, and he goes up against uh, Reed Richards, who's gotten too big for his britches. And all of the the Dark Avengers characters are uh, sort of trapped here, and they're they're caught in between this. And and the evil Doctor Strange who lives there is controlling some of them. Uh, it's is this fun. a new is this a new story or has it been happening since the first issue? It's been happening since the first one, but what happened was the it, there were two stories going on for a while, and the other story wrapped up uh, an issue or two ago, and it was the characters who we'd known from the end of Thunderbolts, the guys Thunderbolts, from Thunderbolts right. then. But the the uh, Captain John or John Walker is in this story, and he just got his body restored, so he's he's the U.S. agent again. One of my favorite costumes of the eighties. And and he's he's sort of back back to fighting. Why do you why do you think they didn't remember this book? I I don't I think they're I don't know I don't know I don't know why the book exists. I'm shocked that it's still being printed. <laughs> I mean I know why it exists, but it just seems bizarre that this book particularly didn't get remembered. I I don't I don't know. It seems weird. It seems like this would be the perfect place for a, a lower tier book to get restarted. I probably would have checked it out, but yeah. uh, it's uh it's wacky and it really is. I mean like. Jeff Parker actually has a really good handle on the sort of fundamentals of of the Marvel universe and these characters, and it's and and they're just letting him do whatever. And he puts in stupid things like, like, uh, do you remember like a long time ago there was the when Thor goes to the women's prison and they're all making like sex jokes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like in this yeah. one, uh, not Clint Barton, but uh, his brother uh, Barney. Is it Barney? <laughs> Barney Barton. <laughs> Barney Barton. I'm saying it out loud now, and it feels like that's right, but I'm not sure. Um. He like has a dream, and and it's just all chicks wanting to have sex with him, and it, like it's just goofy, and it's like why well, he really, he really, it's like just no one cares, so he can just do whatever he wants, and that that makes it really fun. Well, I, I was reading Batman Beyond Unlimited number twelve, which is the uh, Tim verse uh, book that they put together the digital releases into, and uh, the first story was a Lobo story, and I could always use less Lobo in my life, so I wasn't thrilled about that. <laughs> Uh, the third story was a continuation of Adam Beach and Norm Brayfogle's great uh, Batman Beyond story with Batman fighting the Joker's gang. But the middle story was an origin of Micron. They've been, doing, they've been slipping in these origin stories of these various characters that you may not know about. And the first couple of pages, I was like, who is this drawing this? And then I realized it was Fiona Staples. And it was awesome. I saw that panel you put up. That was, that was pretty good looking. Yeah, yes, it was. She did a short. I mean, it's short. It was like a probably not even a ten pager, but it was a little origin of Micron. I don't really know about Micron, but now I do, and it would look great. And I, I could totally 
you know, whenever Fiona Staples wants to leave Saga and do other stuff, that's fine. No, it's not. No, it isn't. (laughs) Whoa, buddy. He's not speaking for us. Speaking for myself. You're fine with her leaving that? No, I'm saying if she wants to and do other things... No, you know what? I, I don't May think I suggest I... the Batman book. Perhaps. You know what? I, I mean, theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, she has choice. She should She's be allowed to, to leave do. If she but wants. I don't. I'm not happy. I wouldn't be happy about that. If she did announced it was a Batman book starring middle-aged grizzled Batman and old man Alfred, I'd be less sad about her leaving Saga. Is what I'm saying. I, I still do you understand get, what I'm saying. No, I can't get behind that. I'm sorry. Those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. You can go to ifanboy.com. You can make your pull list every Monday, or you can actually do it every day. You can do it, but Mondays when the new books come out, you can rate and review your books. You can write user reviews. You can also make your pick of the week, and we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And this is, as always, at time of recording, though it may not change too much, but it might. Number five was Aquaman, number 16 with 5.9%. That was the latest issue of the Justice League Aquaman crossover. Uh, Four was Batman and Robin annual, number one with 8.2%. Three was Batman Incorporated, number seven, 14.4%. Two was Invincible, number 100, at 18.9%. The number one pick, as chosen by the audience, was Hawkeye, number seven, with 27.8%. It's a nice spread. It's a nice spread. I, I think uh, Punisher was in there in the top ten, I believe. Yeah. yeah it was, there was, uh, even the, like, in the fifth book is over 5%. That's, that's pretty good. That's a, pretty good. It's a nice, it's a nice diverse uh, week. Um, first uh, user review we want to talk about is Captain Jack Harkness 4. There are at least three others. Uh, on Superior Spider-Man number two, as we as we get used to more life with Dr. Octopus as Spider-Man, gave the story a four out of five and the art of five out of five. Pick the week percentage was 3.8% or thereabouts by the time you listen to this. I was never against the idea of Doc Ock being Superior Spider-Man. I thought it was a nice twist, but at the end of issue one, I was a little disappointed that they weren't going to let him be on his own for a while. I thought they brought back Peter way too early, and I enjoyed the role he played <laughs> in the issue. I just hope it doesn't get old within a couple of issues. Also, I couldn't help but chuckle at Ock's inner monologue when it came to Mary Jane. There's just something funny about him looking at her as a scientific experiment uh, that he has to qualify their dates as the Watson dating trials. I'm excited to see what Slot has in store for Ock and Peter, the friendly ghost. They just they can't win. It's basically no, no. Brought but back I, too soon, too, too I, long. No, but I, I think that that actually uh, I think that highlights the strength of the book. I think yeah. I think I admire them for walking such a fine line because because. Fifty percent of readers would say that's really creepy. Fifty percent say that's kind of funny. Is anybody reading this? Yeah, it, it's 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 very odd. I can't pin it down, and and I mean that in a good way. I, like I'm not a huge fan of Dan Slott's work, and you can definitely see him in here, but he's certainly pushing it, and he's doing a very different thing. And to me, this feels like almost like like a subversive comic from the '70s. You know, like guys who are trying to be like, what can we what can we get away with here? What can we do that's different? And it's it's very strange. Like it's if you think about like just the overall idea, and he's right. We're in Doc Ock's head all the time, and it's weird. Uh, the only complaint that I had about this book actually is that, um, and I read it digitally. Uh, I had a hard time actually reading uh, Peter's dialogue because it's done this like white on light blue, and and it didn't didn't read mm. very well. Um, and I, but however, so I ended up actually kind of skipping a lot of it, but I kind of got the point because he was like, "Hey, wait, no, don't do that. Don't like that's basically a Peter. It was there was too much of that." Like that's the only that's the if I was to make any changes to this I would just say to tone it down about a half a step, um, although by not toning it down it, again it makes it feel kind of classic. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. Like can't win, so do uh, <laughs> you know, like they're doing the they're 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 doing something and it's not you know it's it's interesting you got you have and it's causing a reaction, um, but it's not just it's not just bad. You know what I mean? Like it, it's right. it's much more interesting than that. Okay. They're doing something. Josh Flanagan, iFanboy.com. Lo- I would, yes. They're doing th- <laughs> right on the hardcover. They're doing something. The inside of the dust jacket. Yeah. Um, let me take this next one. Uh, Sam LeBas, unwritten, number 45, story, 4 out of 5, art, 3 out of 5. Pick a week percentage, 3.8% or thereabouts. So, that, uh, so then Peter Gross looked at my carry and said, why not zombies? This is the comic I used to cite when my fellow English majors attempted to dismiss comics as silly. So it was a little hard for me to accept that these fellows who had once staged a lengthy discussion between Mark Twain and Rudyard Kipling, I remember that, were moving on to subjects like full frontal nudity, casual sex, vampires, zombies, and procedural detective work. Once I got through the silliness and my disappointment that the Tom Taylor meets uh, Bunny Lucifer in Hell story was not going to be sewn up for two months, I have to say it was a fairly successful issue. Uh, side, curious. side note. Go ahead. Uh, the uh, 
Injustice Gods Among Us uh, issue was written by Tom Taylor. So, Weird. Yeah, a Tom Taylor. I, I, I think it's the same character. You think it's okay? It was written uh, by a character. In this review, he actually, he actually, there's other parts of it. He actually got it mixed up. Peter Gross is the uh, artist and Mike Carey's the writer. Um, well, how do you know that Peter Gross didn't say why well, not zombies? Well, in the other part of the thing, he he got it. Oh, so I'm just. Uh, in many cases, it would be the artist suggesting, "Can I draw zombies, please?" You know, the thing is uh, that all my friends are drawing zombies. That's, uh, literally, all of my friends. Um, <laughs> the thing about this is that it's interesting because he pointed out he's like, "Well, I liked it when it was Mark Twain and Rudyard Kipling, but I didn't like it when they went to these other sort of." Uh, genres, but the whole thing is about storytelling, and there's every genre of every type of book, and so it, it kind of works like that. Uh, it's just that when it focuses on a thing that you're interested in or that you consider more valuable, literary, yeah, yeah then, then maybe you can give it a little more credence. But it, you know, it, originally the book was also based off, you know, basically a Harry Potter conceit, and that's about as, and, and I don't mean this, it's like as low culture as you can get in from a certain point of view. And right. I, I don't mean here's that. Here's the thing I think Mark Twain himself would be into it. That's, yeah. that's my thing. I'd also I'd I'd be curious uh, what Sam thinks about uh, the the upcoming crossover uh, between um, the unwritten and uh, the other thing. Fables. Uh, fables, right? The other thing. The other thing. You know, it's not a it's an obscure. I had let it's an obscure book. I had let unwritten issues pile up for a while. I had to read like four or five of them in a row, and this is the first one I've read as it came out uh, in a while. Um, is this I don't is this going on forever? No, I, I felt no, no. like it was no vertigo book goes on forever. We no, know that. I, I know. I, theoretically nothing goes along forever I need I also I think I feel like this story is getting I know we've said this a few times but I feel like the story needs to, to get to its thing for a while I don't really like the phase it's in all that much uh, just well a crossover should element. help yeah <laughs> that's what they're thinking shot in the arm so those are the user reviews you can have com slash comics and you can rate and review your books so you can write a user review and if it's good we'll get, get it on the show so to check it out um, Josh your, your turn hey guys you like the amazon.com right Mm-hmm. Because you hate local much. businesses. No. <laughs> um, uh, if one of the ways that you can help out iFanboy.com is to, uh, if you make your, your Amazon purchases, which at this point could pretty much be anything, um, mm-hmm. if you go to iFanboy.com slash Amazon and you, you, you go through uh, to Amazon.com slash there, we, we get a little piece of the action. And that uh, is one of the, actually a very specific uh, thing that helps cover operating costs around here. Uh, and trust me, we need it. So uh, if you want to just do your shopping through there and make sure to go through iFanboy, that would help us out a lot. And, and basically, you're just doing what you're already doing. And, and Connor, Connor can't do all of it by himself. And we know he tries. Right. He, you, know, you know they're offering vacations now through Amazon? Like I, was, I bought something the other day and like it's, you know, they have that page where it says, you might also like. And it was like, do you want to go to a Mexican uh, resort and include airfare? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> if, you were, if, if Amazon was a Vegas casino, Connor would be a whale. <laughs> <laughs> That's if so if you're slash Amazon. If you're if you're on the fence, buy something through the portal. I live like Eeyore. I have to rebuild my my dwelling place every night. So help us out. Let's do a couple of emails. Uh, the first email comes from James. He writes, after many, many hours of deep, deep thought, I came up to the thought that cover art seems to be on the decline. What used to be a thought out tableau of themes and concepts in the book have become more and more just a glorified panel. And the worst case scenario, an ad. I tend to love a saga or a who's Jake Ellis for their cohesive cover art. Thoughts? This is a passive aggressive dig at my choices for best covers of the week. I know what he's doing here. This was actually he's saying directly, I have I make bad choices. This is actually written directly to Ron, but I thought <laughs> I, there's no reason he has to answer that, and and we need emails. But uh, <laughs> actually, uh, I I I understand where he's coming from in a certain way, but. It's one of those things where I've said for a long time that I think that comic art is actually um, it's better than it's ever been, and I think that co- cover art is right up there. But I think that the function of cover art has changed a little bit. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I don't think that like that all the covers are ambiguous and and don't have anything to do with it. I, I think sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, you know, like I think the the depth and breadth of sort of the amounts of different styles we get yeah. uh, with comic book cover art is sort of greater than it's ever been. You know, the, the, it's the stuff that they really put thought into. Uh, and, you know, covers do different things now than they used to. The, not, you know, not even not even to talk about the variant cover art um, platform on which the industry sits. <laughs> it, used to, it used to be very specific to, to the book, and now there's a lot more general art, which people don't like, but it's, you know, they must do it for a reason. I don't know. I... 
I tend to not even look at them much anymore. I really don't notice them that much. That's 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 one of the things that comes up. How, unless it's really good, and then I, I do notice it. Well, I'm like, glad you guys like the feature that I put so much work no, into. No, actually, that's, the, that's how I notice. Like, I will be like, what did yeah. you pick out? And then I will go in and see them that way. But until you do that, I, I kind of don't see them unless it's a thing that really catches my eye. And what I, I have found is the thing that I like isn't necessarily – my favorite cover of last year was um, – it was the uh, – um, so the shade uh, Darwin Cook variant cover, like there was just mm-hmm. when it was all industrial design. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that now, was- Paul, Paul, you do the the weekly cover feature on Fanboy, the best cover. So, what do you? Th- I mean, you must have more there, thoughts. There, on are, this. <laughs> there are weeks where it is rough, and I was like, man, there is nothing, and I kind of have to make an excuse for well, that that element is interesting. And um, but I think what Josh said is true: is that there's so much diversity. The field is so broad. There's so many different people doing so many different things that. If you if you really look, um, you will find something that you like each week, each month, whatever. Um, uh, I, DC's comics right now universally god awful. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's it's very difficult. Part of it has to do with those those damned arrow ads at the top of every single one, and there's just a lot of logos getting in the way and you know barcodes and stuff. But there are so many comic publishers that I, I, I you can't dismiss what they're doing. I think there's so many. So many good covers out there, and um, you'll you'll find them if you really look for them. Uh, and uh, I, I have the I have the benefit of pouring over them each week, so I do see a lot of them. They might not jump off, you know, jump out at you from the shelves, but if you really look, you'll find them. All right, shouldn't be that hard. But brief it's, it's, discussion yeah. question: Do you think that the artist in on the interior should be the same guy who does the cover? No. I think ideally, yes. Ideally, see, I used yeah. to think that, but now I, I feel like they're almost the interior art is a different, is a different, a different skill, and sometimes it it makes the artist look worse because. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems with it. I think I think the ideally in a, in a perfect world, the cover artist and the interior artist are always the same for that very reason. Yeah, but but I think the cover should be on the back of the book, or it should be in the middle, or it should All be right. clear. Yeah. All right, it should be clear covers on everything. You just see the insides. That's fine. That way, no one has to worry about it. It should just be loose pages, no staples, no nothing. You just get a bag, pick your pages, you buy them by the pound. Uh, I just get angry for no reason. We have to move along. I know you. All right. <laughs> you asked um, the question. All right, this is, this is a really quick question uh, because uh-huh. everyone needs to be stereotyped. Hey, I fanboys. <laughs> it was who wrote it. Uh, I'll get to it. Uh, Adrian writes in and says, quick question. Connor is the DC guy. Josh is the indie guy. What kind of guy is, what kind of guy is Paul? I'm the despondent DC guy. Um, no, I, I, I traditionally I, I, I identify as a DC guy. Um, that's a little bit trickier these days. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Um, but it's, it's uh, no, but I, I, I like a little bit of everything. Um, right now I'm big into image comics. Um, I like a lot of stuff going on in Marvel too. Um, I, I don't know. I like a little bit of everything. You can only be one thing though. I can only be one thing. I don't know. My, they need you to be one thing. My, my favorite contemporary novel is uh, The Celery Stalks of Midnight by James Howe, uh, featuring Benicula. Um, my second favorite contemporary novel is The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. Uh, my favorite uh, classic novel is uh, the, the original Benicula by uh, the word guy. Deborah and James Howe. You're the word guy. Yeah, I, I like story. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I like, I, you know what? I like, to, I like to reinvent what guy I am each week. I'll tell you what. I don't like know. Try if, new things. I, I don't think I'm the indie guy, and I'm, I don't think I'm the vertigo guy anymore. I don't know what guy I am. I don't know if anybody <laughs> could be the vertigo Connor, guy. If there Connor's, is a vertigo guy, he's very sad. Connor's having a hard time on the on that DC guy ledge too. <laughs> it's tough. They're making it very tough. Oh, uh, please. So there I like you go. Superman a lot. Paul's a Superman, Superman guy. Superman So I'm very sad often. If you want to stereotype us or ask us how to stereotype us or if any other questions, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. We will try our best to answer them here or, or elsewhere. Uh, we might be have, let's have time to squeeze one in quickly, one voicemail. Uh, we're running a little long. We can get one in. The first uh, e- voicemail has a question about sound. Hello, ifanboys, old and new. Uh, this is Shark from the Message Ward calling from Norman, Oklahoma. I was thinking recently about characters' signature sound effects. Um, specifically in the context of a Jeopardy category, where like the $100 question would be, or $100 answer would be snicked. $200 would be bamf. $300 would be thwip. And then I got nothing. Uh, help me out. What's the rest of the category? Love the show. Bye. First of all, your name is terrifying. That's not cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> Second of all, uh, I got I was listening to your question and I was going through it as you're talking and I only had those three too. Yeah. I don't know any other. I was like, say okay, quick. I got one. Uh, all right, let me do one. Let me see if I can even make the noise. Oh, the uh, Damien noise. Damien noise. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, I there's a there's a like a a clang with a K. Clang. That's Captain For... America's shield. Oh right, clang. Uh, there is a. Hellboy, which is crap. That's not a noise. That's a word. I know that was a joke. Uh, there is uh, some some who said "caw." Was it? Wasn't that? It's a classic guy fanboy. <laughs> "Caw." I forget who oh, it right. was. But but there was definitely that. Um, I think I think there was Bottle Rocket. Uh, I think I think there was Owen Wilson and Bottle Rocket. You know you know the Punishers. Blam. Buddha 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 Buddha. I think, well, Shark, you named the three. I mean, those are the three big ones. I don't know. There's, the other ones get really obscure. Oh, I got the, 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 the tough one, the Daily Double, like the $1,000 one. What? Is GD. Good. <laughs> Which got Grant Morrison in a lot of trouble in the See. beginning of the New 52. That was uh, Young Superman. Yeah. So there you go, Shark. Those are the three. You, you named the top ones. I, I, was, I think Banff is my favorite. Herm. But that's Herm. That's a, no, that's not Herm. That's, Herm. Herm is a, yeah, Herm. is. Herm's not a sound effect. Those are things that people say. Does he write it out? Yes. Yeah, but it's in a <laughs> balloon. It's, 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 it's intra balloon as opposed to extra balloon. Yeah, it's not a sound effect. So you can call us at 888 uh, Fanboys 326 if you have any questions about sound effects. We will not know more than what you say. Does but, the repulsor ray right, have, a, have a sound effect? Because I feel like I it should. So. It should, but it doesn't have a sound effect. Flash? So though, <laughs> Sorry. Flash, maybe. <laughs> so, Paul, you have sad news for us. Um, yeah, you say it. Sad for you. <laughs> you want me to say uh, sad for you, maybe. Yeah, so so Bat Don't Miss, uh, we're going to to wrap that one up. Or actually, it's done. <laughs> we're going to do, we're going to replace it with some some other podcasts. Um, like, we're going to do some more talk explodes. We're going to do some more book explodes. So more robust podcasts and just less frequently. So we'll try to do like a talk explode and a book explode maybe each month. Yeah, Don't, Don't Miss was the weekly Monday show. We talked about a, a book with a creator coming out that week, but we decided as we went through everything we, we do with you know, sort of new regime, what we wanted to do, and we decided we'd rather do more talk explodes than Don't Miss shows. And as, as you may have noticed, they, they were often missing because they're hard to coordinate, especially when things are going on. So we decided instead to replace those with talk explodes so, or other shows. So you'll be seeing more special edition shows like that in the wake of the... the we have it, more breathing room in a talk explode. We can, we can talk longer. We don't have to yeah. hurry up and do it in 15 minutes. The it's end like of Don't Miss. Would yell at me. The thing is that Paul came through the place. He had a clipboard and he had a red Sharpie. <laughs> and this it is was going. Just, you just point this and this. And there was a guy. He had an assistant, which is weird because I did not remember budgeting for that. And the this, guy. You're, this gone. That's he was, gone. He, was, he had a bow tie on. He looked just like Paul, but he was a foot shorter. And he just went, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then he just. Yeah, yeah. It's my nephew, Steven, okay? <laughs> I'm, gum, and I'm, and I'm already going through. I'm deleting all of Ron's old articles. They're, they will be right. gone soon. Don't worry about it. But still with us, J- Josh is. Uh, we have the Make Comics podcast from me and Andy Schmidt. From, well, I really want to pronounce that D. Uh, from uh, the Comics Experience uh, group, uh, his his sort of instructional comic business. Uh, him and I are going to talk about an aspect of making comics uh, of uh, some some way. There's a, there's a lot of facets of it, and there's been some really interesting shows lately. I think the last batch of them uh, really came up with some conversations that we, we hadn't had before. Um, so uh, there'll be more of those coming up. And if you look uh, behind the show on the feed and behind the Make Comics show, you'll find the Dark Knight Returns Part 2 special edition show that me and Paul and Chris Neesman talked about the new movie, uh, the new animated film. We didn't have Dr. Ryan Hopped with us, so we didn't have the full brain trust with us. In fact, we only had the trust. We call, is, he, is he doctor now? Did that happen? I like to call him that just because he's a scientist. I'm going to start doing um, that too. Uh, so if you want to hear us talk about the second part of the animated Dark Knight Returns, you can you find that in the feed. It was a very interesting discussion. We talked about the movie. We talked about the book in general and the, sort of the, the cultural things around it. It was a very interesting discussion. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, so you can look, look, look at that in the feed. And next week, uh, look out for a conversation between myself and uh, Charles Soule, who is the uh, guy who's taken over Swamp Thing from Scott Snyder. Uh, so those, and, and, and a lot of writers have... have gone on to big careers after taking over Swamp Thing and not doing great at it. But uh, we talk about that a little bit. Um, and he's also got a couple of creator-owned projects. He did need a book called 27. Great conversation uh, about sort of what it means to come up through DC at this point in history and what that's like. And we do talk about that. So uh, you should definitely look for that later this week. 
all of that is found at fanboy.com, including the great work we do every day, as if I may say so myself, on talking about the news and all the fun stuff going on in comics. And you can find Josh's Pick of the Week review there. You can find Paul's inaugural Book of the Month review there this Monday on the site. Nudge, okay, now nudge, I know. Nudge, nudge. He said it. Now you got to do it. <laughs> first Monday of the, of the month, you can find the first Book of the Month review from Paul Montgomery. So you'll find that at fanboy.com, as well as the About page. you find our, our new staff listings. We added a couple of new people in there. You can go to fanboy.com slash about. You can also find our social network links there. Become our friend online. You can follow the action on twitter.com slash fanboy and at facebook.com slash fanboy. And you can email us at contact at fanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS-326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, recipes, all that stuff. Yes, definitely recipes. If you like us, uh, you can write a review in iTunes uh, or you tell other people about it. Uh, link the shows that you like uh, in Facebook or on Twitter or uh, just pass the word around the best way that you can, digitally, manually, or otherwise. And uh, we Message really appreciate in a bottle. that. You could, you, that's, it's shown to be very ineffective for the amount of effort that it takes to, to do that. But if you, you know, it's better than nothing. I, I it'll probably end up in Japan. Yeah, it'll end up in that swirling uh, plastic mass. Ugh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I do. I read an article on that. Oh, wait, isn't there a comic depressing. about it? Isn't the Great the, Pacific. There you yeah. go, yes. Great Pacific. Um, see, we know comics. <laughs> you could, uh, that's a good way to help. We're aware of our footprint. Yeah, that's true. All right, so that was uh, our show this week. Paul, congratulations on your first show as the new regular co-host of iFanboy's Pickwick Podcast. You did a great Thank job. Thank you. I resign. <laughs> You're not smart. smart. Yeah, smart. You've been paying attention to me and Connor. Not a bad idea. So, and until next week, we will be back. My name is Connor. I am the BJ Honeycutt to Ron's Trapper John McIntyre. Paul McCombe. You got an endless bag of those, don't you? Watch a lot of TV. <laughs> jump on I'll miss you when you're just like them